Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind the safety of your reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about bloodthirsty battles and fairweather fellowships. I'll be your host of the evening, Nick Goroff filling in for our dear friend Steve Taylor, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Dave Cap and fill in the blanks are voice talents Eric Peabody, Melissa Medina, Alicia Pavlis, Creepyface, and me, Nick Goroff. Now, get your ticket ready. Take your seat in our theater of the minds and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale of the evening is written by Dave Cap and is performed by Eric Peabody, Melissa Medina, Alicia Pavlis, and me, Nick Goroff. In it we'll meet Hunter Benson, a self-proclaimed failure at life 
who escapes the big city to start anew in Lake George. After his wife Kristen lands her dream job, Hunter has all the time in the world. Unfortunately, he does not use this time wisely, and instead begins a slow descent into madness. A madness that can only be quenched by blood. Without further ado, I present to you A Creeping Suspicion. A Creeping Suspicion by Dave Cap. Something sure does smell good. I walked behind my wife, Kristen, and kissed her on the neck as the smell of fat and nitrates enticingly danced into my nostrils. Thought you might like a nice breakfast this morning. Kristen took a sip of coffee and smiled. She still looked the same as when we lived together in college 13 years ago. Maybe it was the oversized sweater she wore, or maybe it was because her blonde hair still shimmered like a morning sun. But ever since my first dive into her gray-blue eyes, she's been my world. You thought correct. I began to pile a plate with enough bacon to build my own Frankenstein pig. Toast? Kristen asked as she ran her fingers through my thick brown forest of curls. Not even waiting for an answer, she popped two slices of rye bread into the toaster. Flipping two over-medium eggs onto my plate, I chuckled. Hey. Her face flushed like a ripening tomato. No, nothing. I began to chew on a strip of bacon. Why do I feel like I'm being courted? Maybe because you are? Well, you're doing a great job. Kristen sat down in front of me and smiled. This was always her thing. Whenever my lovely wife wanted to tell me something I may not like, I'd always get softened up with a meal. Judging by the amount of bacon she had fried up, it was easy to see that she was going to drop a bomb. The wooden chair groaned when I sat down at the kitchen table. I didn't even have a chance to pepper my egg whites before my wife slid into the seat in front of me. So? She started as she handed me a mug of coffee. Two things. Two? You better whip up some pancakes then. And get the good syrup, not the high-fructose corn garbage. I joked. I'm going to accept the offer. Kristen squeaked out before she hid behind her coffee mug. Oh. And? She stammered as if she didn't want to finish the sentence. And what? I'm starting tomorrow. I opened my mouth to speak, but no words came out. It felt as though my tongue had doubled in size. Oh, could I think, though? Closing my eyes tight, a young man in a slim-fitting navy suit stood before me. He was muscular, with dark eyes, chestnut-brown hair, and a jawline to sharpen a razor. Hello, sir. He stuck out a hand. Then I opened my eyes and remembered that the young man didn't exist anymore. That young man had died long ago. That young man had promised his wife the world, but only delivered a gas station convenience store snow globe. That's so exciting, I was finally able to say. Kristen gave me a sort of half-smile. Well, don't get too excited. 
wouldn't want to have the neighbors call the police. We have no neighbors, I grumbled as I prodded the yolk of an egg with my fork. A pool of yellow filled up the plate, soaking the rest of my breakfast. I know, it was a joke. I know what it was. At first, Kristen rolled her eyes, but then they narrowed upon me. Well, don't you think you could be... She stood. I don't know, happy for me? I am happy for you, and proud of you, Chris. I'm sorry, it's it's just been frustrating for me. Good to know at least one of us is doing well, right? I tried my hardest to sound enthused. Laugh lines creased on Kristen's face. Oh my god, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Hunter Benson. I'll be making more than I did at my old job, like a lot more. She paused. The next go-round, you'll pass the bar, and by that time, I'll have new connections here. Absolutely. I smiled. I finally realized why my wife looked the same as in college. She didn't look the same. No, that wasn't it. It was because she still saw me as the 22-year-old boy who had the world by the balls. You know, you're right, Chris. We'll be the super couple of law. They'll make a reality show about us. That's what I'm saying, babe. She poured herself another cup of coffee. Kind of want to celebrate. I'm going to pour some Irish cream in here. I know what you're asking yourself. How did this asshole wind up with her? If you were to look up the definition of perfect partner in the dictionary, you'd see a picture of my wife. Anyone would do anything to be with her. And trust me, after being together almost 15 years, I've seen a whole lot of things. After graduating from law school, Kristen and I moved to the big city. My beautiful wife had a job as a junior attorney all lined up for herself in Manhattan. On the other hand, I couldn't even pass the bar exam. Finally, I conceded that city life wasn't for me. It was for Kristen, though. She loved the city that never slept. She's one of those girls that likes shopping on Christmas Eve. And because of me, my saint of a wife left her city and followed me into the dark. We moved to Lake George, where my family owned a run-down vacation home. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This once-rich white kid who spent his entire life in suburbia has now fled to the mountains because he couldn't handle the idea of making his mother and father's school debt worth it. Oh, by the way, my parents paid for my undergrad and law degrees. Seriously, they would have been better flushing their money down the toilet. Maybe Pennywise could have become a doctor. Then we can, you know, fix this place up. It'll be a great home to raise a family. She placed her empty mug down and ran her fingers over my chest. Hey, you know what? I stood abruptly. While you're gone during the day, I can start on my own renovations. It's about time I opened the old shed up again. Kristen led me into the living room and sprawled out onto the couch. Oh yes, that is definitely what you should open. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel... 
connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I awoke before Kristen, who didn't seem to notice the sun's orange beam blaring through the living room window. Finding my shorts, I stretched and made for the back door. The tiny hill that led to the shed was filled with roots, all of which had the same intention of tripping anyone who stepped over them. Luckily, the key to this box of rotten termite scraps was still under the same rock that it had been since the dawn of time or at least since my family had come here for a summer vacation. When I got the shed open, a shotgun immediately fell out and onto the ground in front of me. I opened the chamber and saw one shell. The next thing I noticed was an old rowboat. Pulling it out into the open air, I could almost hear laughter as if a lifetime of happy memories were preserved in the boat's wood. After finding an old fishing rod and digging out enough earthworms to fill half a coffee tin, I brought the boat into the lake. I figured I could come back with a couple of fish to fry up, and have another round in the ring with Kristen afterward. I was out on the water for five hours. The sky had turned from a hazy orange to a deep bruise purple, and I didn't catch a single fish. Rocking back and forth on the water didn't come close to creating a sense of comfort. No, it boiled a pot of anger. Past the bar? Kristen had no idea that ship had sailed away, like my family after giving me the parting gift of this lake house. Of course I couldn't pass the bar. It was something I had to do on my own. Mommy and Daddy couldn't get me out of this one. What an utter failure I had become. This is the man that the perfect partner is stuck with. Maybe she isn't so perfect after all. I screamed until my throat felt like it was wrapped in sandpaper. And after it grew hoarse, I screamed some more. You would think that watching the sunset would have helped me cool down. Nope. I hated sunsets. I know. What kind of crazy nutjob says he hates sunsets? Well, to most, sunset is one of nature's greatest beauties. To me, it meant another wasted day. 
And as I thought about that day, I realized that sunrise would only be bringing another day to waste. Three long months passed. That's 90 days. So to me, that's 90 wasted days. It didn't even seem to phase me anymore. If Kristen wasn't working late for her boss, Ronald Tercy, she was going in early. Morning quickies were replaced with patterned pecs. The conversation became passing grunts fit for a subway terminal. And meals were frozen piles of mystery meat and soggy carrots. Every day, I would tell Kristen that I was studying, or maybe I would fix that leaky faucet. But it was never true. I'd take the test in the winter, fail, and be at the exact same spot I was now. Maybe you could tell me what exactly is the point of it all. My main comfort was now the rowboat. Every day, I would go out onto the water, lay down with my hat over my face, and sleep the day away. Of course, I tried to be productive, but it was pointless. I had never lived for myself. I went to college for my parents, law school for Kristen, and now I had no idea what I wanted. Kristen was the only beacon of hope for me in the endlessly twisting path that was my life. And, well, with her gone for sometimes three quarters of any given day, I was lost. One night, a cricket song woke me from my stupor. I opened my eyes to a shimmering night. The moon seemed to be smiling down at me as it wrapped the world in a blanket of silver starlight. My watch read 11.47, and I immediately sat up. Rowing with all my might, I made it back to shore, eager to spend a little time with Kristen. She wasn't in the living room or the kitchen. Then I remembered the time and realized she must have gone to bed. Maybe I could wake her for a few quick minutes of fun before I fell back into a sleepless dream again. Our bed was empty. A whirl of thoughts spun around my head before screaming in my face. Did she get in an accident? I ran down the steps to check the driveway and it too was empty. Oh no. My voice cracked. Oh no. I repeated. Trying to compose myself, I took a deep breath. Let's not jump to conclusions, Hunt, I said. I went into the kitchen and poured myself a cold glass of water. I stumbled into the living room and fell onto the couch, spilling water all over my chest. I took another deep breath and noticed the blinking red light on our answering machine. I was afraid to press play. Can you believe that? My wife, the love of my life, could have been hurt or worse, and I was afraid to find out, afraid to face any sort of reality. Finally, I mustered up the courage and pressed play. There was a loud scream that made the speaker crackle. It sounded twisted. It sounded possessed. 
did it sound... drunk? The scream turned into a giddy, woo, and I began to laugh. Hunt, I'm sorry, but... Kristen's voice was my favorite song, one that I would love to leave on repeat until the end of time. Get off, give me that back, she said to someone. A gruff mumble answered. Hunt, I'm sorry, but the dinner ran late. Mr. Tercy... The same voice mumbled again. I mean, Ron took the team out for drinks afterward. I'll be home close to midnight. Kristen slurred. I love you. Close to midnight, I muttered. Well, that should be now. In case you haven't noticed, I've started to talk to myself quite a lot over the last three months. You try being by yourself all day and tell me you don't need someone to talk to. Then, I heard my voice. At least, I think it was my voice. I didn't feel myself speaking the words, but it sounded like me. Well, it sounded like me if I had just finished chain-smoking a pack of cigarettes. Home late again? Yeah, that's what she has to do, I answered. She goes in early and comes home late, even works weekends. Right, she's making our dream a reality. Oh, your dream? My dream. My dream is for my wife to be happy. Your wife who spends no time with you anymore. Even in the city, she worked all day and night. She worked to stay away from you. That's... that's not true. I laughed nervously. You know what she's doing. What she's always done. No, no, no. There's no way she would betray me. She loves me. Odd way to show love, wouldn't you say? She created a dream for you and has ignored you ever since. So she's... Probably right now. You heard that voice. A man's voice. I rewound the answering machine. Hunt, I'm sorry. I pressed rewind, then pressed play. Hunt, I'm sorry. The spinning sound of the tape rewinding made my flesh crawl, made my jaw tighten so tight that I thought my teeth would crack out of my gums. But I still kept pressing rewind and play, rewind and play, rewind and fucking play. Hunt, I'm sorry. Hunt, I'm sorry. Hunt, I'm sorry. You're right, I rasped. You've always known. Of course, she would want another. Easy choice, right? Rich, powerful, driven, versus you. Headlights flashed in the driveway a quarter to one. I opened the door to greet my wife with a mask of a smile. Waving to the driver, Mr. Tercy, I opened the passenger door to be slapped in the face with the smell of bourbon. Hunt! 
Kristen cried as she wrapped her arms around my neck. Thank you for taking her home, Ron. Ronald Tercy seemed thrown off by my knowledge of his name. He had held a hand out to shake, but didn't say a word. I ignored his gesture and kissed my wife. So I have a surprise. Kristen giggled. What's that? My sister is coming tomorrow. Oh, well, I'll have to clean up the guest room then. I helped Kristen get out of the car. I watched my wife as she smiled at the man in the sleazy three-piece suit and brushed past me to go inside. Tell you what, Ron, how about you stay the night? It's not safe to drive on the roads this late. Yeah, my brother is a sergeant in Schenectady. I'll be just fine. You can still crash. Your brother's name wouldn't help you there, I whispered. He thought for a moment, then threw the car into park. You know, you're right. Thanks for your concern, Hunter. Together, we walked inside without saying a word. Kristen was in the kitchen sipping on a bottle of water. Oh. <coughs> she coughed. Ron is going to stay the night. <coughs> That's great. <coughs> and I can drive you to get your car in the morning. Tall and dark with broad shoulders, Ronald stuck his chest out proudly, as if he had come up with the idea on his own. Kristen nodded. Sure, sure. Chris, I'm going to show your boss the boat. I didn't wait for my wife to respond. Hey, pass us a few cold ones. You up for a nightcap? You know it. My wife's boss answered, taking a bottle of beer from her. Walking out into the darkness, I beckoned Ron to pass in front of me. After you, good sir. Of course, the asshole didn't object. When we passed the shed, I stopped. Oh, keep going. I'll be right there. I bent down to fiddle with my shoelaces. Slowly, I reached for the shotgun. Grabbing it by the barrel, I stood up and aimed. Trust me, I know it's cowardly to shoot a man in the back, but so is stealing a man's wife. It'll be too loud. It doesn't matter. No one will hear. Kristen won't hear a gunshot? What was that? A voice came from the bottom of the hill. Uh, nothing! I tossed the shotgun down to the ground and saw a stone. The same stone that I lifted to find the key to the shed. Boy, this is paradise. Ronald Tercy said as he took a sip of beer. As the rowboat began to rock back and forth, he stretched his arms up in the air and placed them behind his head. Quite the life you got here, Hunt. I'm sure you've got it good too, I mumbled. Yeah, but nothing beats this. Tiny house in the lake and a lovely wife is the recipe for happiness. I furrowed my brow. Are you married? Divorced. He took another sip of beer and fixed his sight upon the moon. I fiddled with the stone in my pocket and found a pointed end. Pressing my pointer finger into it, I felt a slight sting of pain. What are you waiting for? 
come again? When Ronald Tercy sat up, I smashed him in the face with the rock, shattering his mouth into a cave of bloody splinters. For a moment, he tried to lift his hands to fight back, but I swung once again, this time landing my blow on his temple. He fell onto his back, and I leapt on top of him. I punched and stabbed and punched and punched and stabbed until there was nothing left of the man's head except bits of skull, brains, soaked in a pool of blood. I had no idea what to do with the body. Should I bury him? Burying him would be the more respectful way to dispose of him. You don't want that. I nodded. Still leaking from the bloody ruin of his face, I tossed the man's lifeless body into my shed, locked it up, and threw the key into the lake. The trail of blood glittered in the silvery moonlight, making everything seem magical. Everything just felt so... right. Still painted in blood, I crept up the stairs to my bedroom. Kristen was asleep and was wearing the most beautiful smile. That's a smile that knows a secret. I know. I grabbed my pillow and pressed it over her face. This time, I was in control of her life. If I wanted to, I could lift the pillow and let her taste the sweet nectar of air. But we all know that wasn't happening. A knock on the front door woke me. I looked to my right to see Kristen. Her skin was the color of milk, her mouth and eyes open like she had been petrified. I rose and stumbled into the bathroom to splash water on my face. The man in the mirror seemed to glow. This was what a proud man looked like. This was what a successful man looked like. Was I afraid of who was at the door? Was I scared of getting caught? Absolutely not. Jesus! Kristen's sister, Wendy, cried when I opened the door. Oh, hey, Wen. Come on in. The sky behind her was just beginning to transform into a swirl of yellow, orange, and red. Wendy stood frozen on the threshold. What are you... is that blood? I looked down and noticed that my body was covered in crusty brown patches of victim number one's blood. There were probably some brains mixed in there, too. <laughs> yup, I answered. Went hunting. Let's just say I shouldn't quit my day job and become a butcher. I'll say. Try a supermarket next time, Rambo. Wendy smirked. Here. She handed me a stack of mail that had been ignored for well over a month. Kristen here? I didn't see her car. Uh, no. She'll be back soon. Come on in. Let me get you a drink. 
Wendy slipped past me and into the kitchen. I thumbed through credit card offers and fast food menus until I came upon an envelope addressed to Kristen Benson from Ronald Tercy. Ripping it open, two tickets fell onto the floor. I tore the rest of the envelope apart and found a note. Kristen, I wanted to give you and your husband a gift to show my appreciation. You always talk about how life was in the big city, so I figured you two could take a few days soaking in the lights of the city that never sleeps. Enclosed are two tickets to The Lion King. Please enjoy, and make sure to come to me for a credit card. I do not want you or Hunter spending a dime in the Big Apple. My chest tightened as I picked up the two Broadway tickets. See, here is where I should have realized the monster I had become. It would have been appropriate for me to drop to my knees and sob at the mistake I made. Who knows? Maybe even go outside and wrap my lips around the barrel of Daddy's shotgun. Hey, Wen? I said, stepping into the kitchen. Wendy took a swig of beer. Hey, Hunt. Let's go out back. The sun's about to set. I hope you enjoyed A Creeping Suspicion, as written by Dave Cap and voiced by Eric Peabody, Melissa Medina, Alicia Pavlis, and me, Nick Goroff. If you enjoyed Mr. Peabody's performance, you can hear more of him on the Chilling Tales YouTube channel, where he holds the second place championship title for 2019's Evil Idol competition, as well as recently becoming the new host of Horror Hill. You'll also find more of his work on his website, www.vikingguitar.com. You can hear more of Alicia Pavlis right here on our very own YouTube channel, as well as on her website, www.aliciapavlis.com slash voiceover. That's www.aliciapavlis.com slash voiceover. You can find her many projects there, including information about her movie, Apparition. Voice actress Melissa Medina's work can be found on the official Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, as well as her website, hearmelissa.com. That's H-E-A-R-M-E-L-I-S-S-A dot com. And as for me, my talents can be found on our very own Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, as well as on past episodes of the Simply Scary Podcast. Additionally, if so inclined, you can join me on my new YouTube channel, 2BR Not To Be, where I produce audio dramas with a focus on speculative science fiction. That's number two, letter B, letter R, number zero, number two, letter B. 2BR Not To Be. When you drop by, don't forget to let me know where you heard of me. Now be sure, of course, to let all of our performers know that you heard them here. You will not be sorry that you did. Our second tale this evening is written by Fill in the Blanks and performed by Creepyface. In it we'll meet someone who's made a mistake I believe we've all experienced. 
Not every watching eye is a helpful one, and not every open ear is a friend. Now, without further ado, I present to you, I thought she was my friend. It was a lovely home. The house I grew up in. The house was a turn-of-the-century farmhouse in the outskirts of town. We moved in during the mid-1980s, so it was almost 80 years old when we moved in. I was seven or eight, if I can remember correctly. I'm an only child, so I got to take my pick of one of the many bedrooms in the house. I chose the only bedroom that faced the backyard. It looked out over an enormous old oak tree, and beyond that, a thick, eerie forest. I never felt comfortable living in this house, but I never felt scared either. We finally got all of our things moved in about two weeks after leaving our flat in the city. I loved my new room. It was big and warm. It had two large closets that I would occasionally turn one into a makeshift fort and spend hours in there with a flashlight just reading books or playing card games with myself. I had no siblings, and I got rather lonely out there on many days. My parents would leave me alone on many weekends, and I'd have to fend for myself. I became a wizard at nuking television dinners. I must admit, I think that's where my chubbiness stems from. This was back in the 1980s, and leaving kids alone wasn't frowned upon like it is today. They were both ridiculously well-known writers and spent their weekends at lavish parties or book signings or just taking a holiday, without me, of course. It was late November, and my parents were gone for the weekend once again. This was the third weekend in a row which they had taken off. I wasn't worried, though. They'd be back Sunday night and be ready to get me off to school Monday morning. This is when I was introduced to Rebecca. Rebecca was a beautiful young girl about eight or nine. I was ten and felt much more mature than her. I was wandering the rear of my property one evening, searching for fireflies, when she came out from the woods. She startled me at first, but when I saw her pleasant face and her kind demeanor, I let down my defenses a bit. She wore an old-style white knee-length dress and her hair was tied in two pigtails. A little old-fashioned, I thought, but what do I know about girls? They all dressed like this for all I knew. She introduced herself, and I did the same. We played tag and searched for fireflies for a while. Her favorite game, she told me, was hide-and-seek. I loved playing that game, and could only do so at school or when we visited my cousins in the city. It was getting really late, and she said that she had to go. She turned and headed to the woods. I thought this was a bit odd, but she must live in a house deeper in the woods than ours. I didn't think much of it, but I liked my new friend, even if it was a girl. That Sunday night, my parents returned home. I was still awake. They came up to my room and each gave me my blessing and a kiss on my forehead. They seemed in good spirits. I was about to tell them about Rebecca, but something told me that I shouldn't. I knew that if I brought her up, then they'd ask me a million questions, and they'd tell me to be careful. They don't trust anybody, not even other children, so I kept it to myself. It felt kind of good 
to have such a naughty little secret from my parents. I'm sure they had millions of secrets that they kept from me. The next few days passed and I didn't see her, but I knew that she had been around. I would come home from school and I could tell that the toys that I left out in the yard had been moved or messed with. On one occasion, I noticed a few of my pails filled with sand, as if they were ready to build a castle of mud. It made me feel good knowing that she could come over whenever she wanted and make herself at home. It made me fall in love with this house even more. That weekend, my parents were going to be out of town, where they were both to receive awards for their written works. I begged them to take me, but they told me that I'd be bored out of my mind. I stood on the front porch and watched as their car drove down the wooded path that led to our antique farmhouse. I turned to walk back inside when I heard a familiar giggling coming from the back of the house. I was sure it was Rebecca. I sprinted to the back of the property and saw nothing. I was sure I heard her, but I guess I was just hopeful that somebody was there. I got so lonely out here and yearned for companionship. My shoulders dropped as I made my way back into the front of the house. There she was, smiling from ear to ear. She fooled me, but I was glad to see her. Without uttering a word, she ran into the woods. I knew what that meant, hide and seek. I headed in after her. I followed the rustling of the brush and knew that I was hot on her tail, but I couldn't seem to catch her. I was pretty fast, and I felt a bit sheepish being outrun by a girl, even worse, a girl in a dress. I stopped a moment to catch my breath. I couldn't hear any more sound and wondered if she had stopped to take a breath as well. I turned to see how far we had run, and I was shocked to see that I was deeper into the woods than I had ever been before. Rebecca was nowhere to be found. I was getting scared, so I called out, Rebecca, I'm going back. It's getting late and my parents are going to get worried. I expected to see her come out from her hiding place, but instead she spoke. You and I both know that's a lie. They're gone for the weekend and won't be home when you get there. You are all alone and you've always been all alone. My heart sunk at these words. How did she know that my parents were gone? I've never discussed this with her. Had she been spying on us? Who exactly was she? I thought she was my friend. Why would she say such a hurtful thing? I decided to let her fend for herself. I turned and began walking back to the house. A light mist was starting to fall, and it was getting heavier with each step that I took. I don't know why I did it. My quick walking turned into a full-blown sprint. I was terrified. I didn't know which direction was the right direction, and by now, the heavens had opened up in a steady downpour. I could have brought a bar of soap out there with me. I kicked what must have been a tree root, and I found myself face-first in a fresh mud puddle. I could taste it in my mouth, a mix of mud and blood. I spat it out to my side and heard a sickening laugh coming from the trees above me. It wasn't a friendly laugh, but a maniacal one. The kind of laugh you'd hear if you were watching a bad horror movie and the axe murderer was standing over his victim. Rebecca! I called out. All I could hear was more laughing. 
and it sounded like it was getting louder. I picked myself up off the ground and continued sprinting off towards the house. I found the clearing that opened up to our backyard and could see the familiar facade of the house. Out on the corner of my eye, I could see a figure standing on the edge of the trees, wearing a white dress. I didn't even bother to look over. I just continued running until I got to the door that led into the kitchen. I slammed it behind me and proceeded to throw off my muddy clothes. I must have skipped half the steps heading up to the second story bathroom. I turned on the bath and just sat in the murky, browning water for what must have been an hour. I could hear a faint knocking coming from outside the hallway. It continued to grow louder until I finally shouted for it to leave me alone. The sound disappeared, and I got myself ready for bed. That night was the most terrifying and eye-opening experience I have ever encountered. That whole evening was played out in my dreams. From the laughing in the mud to Rebecca standing at the edge of the woods, dripping wet and smiling. That's when the knocking came back. It was the same knocking that I heard when I was sitting in the bathtub. It was growing louder and louder just like it did earlier. So I yelled at it to stop and it did. Come and find me, came a soft innocent voice. You never finished the game. Scared the hell out of me. I locked any bedroom door and stayed up with my bedside lamp on all night. The next day went on with no occurrences and my parents came home early in the afternoon. My dad was holding a bundle of cardboard boxes and my mom had a huge smile on her face. What's with the boxes? Your dad sold his novel and we're moving back to the beach. My mom exclaimed. We began loading boxes with dishes and photos and anything else that wasn't bolted down. My parents were so excited. It was nice to see. I was just happy to be getting out of that damned old house and that little demon Rebecca out of my hair. They told me that I was to miss school this week so we could get ready for the move. <laughs> I was thrilled. We must have filled 20 boxes that afternoon. We hadn't even made a dent in our belongings. My mom and dad left to go get more packing supplies. They hadn't realized how many possessions they had accumulated in the past few months of living in that house. I made my way up to my room and was going to start packing my things when there came a knock on the front door. Thinking it was dad forgetting his wallet or something, I opened the door with no worries. It was Rebecca. What's going on? She asked. We're moving. Where to? She kept on. We're moving to the coast. Not that it's any business of yours. I shot back. All right, calm down. She responded, sounding a little shocked. If you don't mind, I need to get back to packing. I said very matter of fact. You never finished the game, was her response. You left me out there in the dark, I began. You know these woods better than I do. You left me out there with no light and in the rain. Oh, and I just found you, so game over. Mm, that's fair. You found me. I guess we'll just have to start another game before you go. Whatever, I replied. Why don't we start a new game this Friday? This time, I'll hide. Great she began. Friday it is. See you then. 
she announced and headed out into the woods. I was so glad that I got rid of her, yet I was a little surprised that she would be so easy to get rid of. No matter. I continued back upstairs and began to pack my treasures. I had already forgotten the conversation that Rebecca and I just shared. As Friday arrived, my folks and I started loading the moving truck with our boxes. The furniture had already been taken by the movers the day prior. We rented a truck so we could take the smaller things. My parents were out in the truck arguing about the best way to arrange the boxes so everything could fit. They had been out there all morning debating on the best placement for the cartons. Something drew my attention to my bedroom window. There she was. I opened up my window, and she called up to me. It's your turn to hide. I knew this was my chance to get rid of her. Give me ten minutes, I started. I'm going to hide in the woods. She nodded her head and went off to begin counting. Come on, buddy, came my dad's voice from downstairs. We've got the truck loaded. We just need the most important thing. You. I grabbed my ball cap and ran towards the front door. I jumped into the moving van and my dad gave me a slap on my knee. Ready to go, big guy? I am so ready. You're going to love living on the beach, he assured me. I didn't care where we were going, just as long as it was far away from here. He started the engine and put the truck into drive. With that, we were off. Off to start our new life on the coast. I looked in the giant rear view mirror and noticed a figure in a white dress standing on what was once our porch. She had an angry expression on her face as we drove off. I rolled down the window to get a better look, but when I stuck my head out the window, she was gone. Years went by and my dad was right. I did love growing up on the beach. I took surfing lessons and jogged the beach when I was a teenager. I went to a really good private school and got an awesome education. I'm in my 50s now and have my own life. About a month ago, I lost my dad. He joined mom in heaven. She passed about three years before dad, and I miss them both terribly. I married a beautiful woman, Patricia, and we had three stunning daughters. My wife toyed with the idea of naming the youngest Rebecca, but I made up a lie about having an ex with that name, and she never brought it up again. We named her Miriam, after my grandmother. I became, you guessed it, a writer but I don't weave the wonderful tales my parents used to. I write books on plants, something safe, and something that will always keep me employed. I've worked for magazines and many textbook companies. It's quite boring, but it pays the bills. On a whim, I decided to take the girls for a drive upstate to the mountains. I knew those roads from my days living at that old farmhouse. As we approached the bend in the road that led to my former residence, I noticed a sign at the entrance to the wooded path. As we got closer, I could make out the text. It was a for sale sign. Another sign hung from the bottom of the larger realtor sign. It had bright red letters that read bank owned, which meant the previous owners picked up left without paying the mortgage or finalizing any prior responsibilities with the place. 
What do you say we take a look at this place? I asked the girls. Each one of them had an excited look on their face. They loved adventures. The road was even more overgrown than I had remembered. The girls began to plead for me to turn around and get back on the highway. Out of nowhere, the trees let up and there it was, sitting in the middle of a large clearing, just like I remembered, only it was very dilapidated. I didn't see anybody around, so I told the girls to get out so we could take a look around the property. I didn't mention to the girls that I lived here, only because I didn't want to answer a million questions right now. They did not want to get out of the car, but I urged them, and they reluctantly got out. We walked around the house, and they gave snide remarks about only toothless hillbillies or peasants could live in a place like this. I laughed while biting my tongue. I stepped up on the creaky old porch, which had faded, peeling paint on it, and just for kicks, I tried the front door. To my utter surprise, it was unlocked. I opened the door and peeked in. It smelled heavy with dust and mold. The girls were all standing by the car, complaining about moving on. I clicked the button on the key and unlocked the door for them. Just in time, too. It began to rain. I headed inside and turned on the flashlight app on my phone. I remembered this house. It looked exactly the same except for some gaudy wallpaper a later resident had put up. The cabinets in the kitchen had not been updated and the old wooden floors didn't look like they had been finished in years. What did I care? I wasn't going to buy this dump. I was just curious, that's all. I went upstairs to my old room and explored the spaces in which I used to set up my forts. I looked out the window that overlooked the huge oak tree, but it had been long cut down. I heard footsteps downstairs and assumed it was one of the girls. I headed out of the room and looked over the banister. Nobody was there. I made my way down the stairs and was heading out the front door when I heard footsteps coming from my old room. I thought nothing of this since it was an old house, and headed out in the pouring rain to the car. The girls and I stopped at a nearby diner, and they feasted on burgers and fries. Their mom has them on a strict vegan diet, but when I take them out, I spoil the hell out of them. They can sure keep a secret. They asked me why we stopped at that house, and I said that I was interested in buying a house in the woods. They all gave me a disgusted look, they hate the woods. They like city living. They can't stand to get their hands dirty. It kind of makes me sad, but that's because their mom is such a damn neat freak. They finished up their meal, and we planned out our excuse about why we were late getting home. We couldn't find a place to eat that served decent salad or pasta. We got home pretty late that night, and the girls headed immediately to their rooms. Without any prompting, they put on their pajamas, brushed their teeth, and put themselves to bed. I did the same. I lay down next to my wife, who was already sound asleep. I put my head down on the pillow. I could feel myself begin to drift off to sleep. A faint knocking got me out of my slumber. I thought maybe it was one of the girls, but they were so beat that I knew they were all out. I closed my eyes again and tried to ignore that sound. 
As I closed my eyes and let out my last heavy breath, I could hear breathing coming from the side of the bed in which I was lying. And then came the voice. I found you. I hope you enjoyed I Thought She Was My Friend, as written by Fill in the Blanks and performed by Creepyface. Creepyface's performances can be found right here on our very own network, as well as on his YouTube channel called by the same name. He has worked so very hard making a career of voice acting and his love of horror. I implore you to please check him out. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host, Nick Goroff, and it has been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. <laughs> Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.